Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. Good Friday afternoon to you. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. I am Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz. We are live from the Lakeland University studios, offering co-op credit for work experience. Learn your way at lakelands.edu. Weiser wants to remind you that charging a cell phone can be like getting a booster shot. A booster is given to enhance or restore protection after a primary series vaccination, which wanes over time. So schedule an appointment when you are eligible. Time to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. I do want to get into that in just a second, but Sam, we have a little bit of news with the Brewers, I believe. We do, and we actually, as you kicked it to me, we actually have some Packers news that I'll get to at the very end. Oh, sweet. We have a couple injury updates, a signing, and a Brewers lineup. Uh, so we can save the lineup for maybe later on, but I'll start with the injury updates. Tyrone Taylor, officially been reinstated from the seven-day concussion protocol, and he is back in the lineup today. So good news for Tyrone Taylor. We have an update on Freddie Peralta. Uh, David Stern said earlier today that he anticipates Freddie Peralta getting out for a rehab assignment sometime within the next week. So good news for Freddie Peralta. They're looking at probably a mid-August return for him. He'll likely need probably two to three rehab starts, I would assume so. Um, And then lastly, we actually have a signing, Toby, for the Milwaukee Brewers. A reliever. According to Ken Rosenthal, the Brewers have signed left-handed reliever Jake McGee to a major oh, league deal. I like it. Sources tell The Athletic. McGee was released by the Giants on July 14th. I looked at his numbers on baseball reference. Kind of an interesting case with Jake McGee. This year at the Giants, 24 games, 21 and a third innings pitched, 7-1-7 ERA. I don't like that. Don't like that, but you look at the previous two years before that, he also played for the Giants in 2021, 62 games, 272 ERA. And mm-hmm. then in 2020, 24 games, obviously at the shortened season with the Dodgers, he had a 266 ERA. And he is a left-handed pitcher, by the way, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I so. like adding in a lefty there yeah. because, you know, if you get this guy and he can get back to that sort of form, he could be another high-leverage lefty for you. Right, so you look at the ERA this season, hopefully the Brewers can work their magic and find that one thing that – can hopefully get Jake McGee back on track. Or well, maybe... and it, it shouldn't be anything too hard, I wouldn't think. Yeah. It, it's something that you've seen time and time again, Sam, where one reliever that's struggling gets released, goes to another team, and next thing yeah. you know, he's got an ERA around one and a half. But, you know, aside from not having to trade for him, but it also could be another John Curtis, Daniel Norris. So It could be, but it doesn't we'll hurt see. to bring in a guy like no, that. No, absolutely not. We always wanted the Brewers to add bullpen depth, so they're, adding, they're doing just that by bringing in a lefty. Um, so that is it for the Brewers. We'll get to the lineup maybe at, towards the end of the show, but we did have some Packers news also just come up on my Twitter feed as you kicked it over to me. According to Field Yates, the Packers have placed nine players in the pup list, including tight end Robert Tunyon, mm-hmm. Elton Jenkins, Mason Crosby, Dean Lowry. Here's a surprising one that we'll probably keep an eye on. Christian Watson has also been placed in the pup list. Interesting. So... Obviously, anybody you know, people can come off the pup list pretty much at any time. It could be like anything from a strain, or it could be an actual injury. So we'll see what's up with Christian Watson, Mason Crosby. No, David Bakhtiari said nine players, but those were the among the nine players. I can. Try I would to assu- find the rest I would of the assume names. that David Bakhtiari would be among the notables if he would have put this out. 
I don't know. I mean, that's interesting there. Nine players on the pup list. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to miss their beginning of the season. That's pup list that they have to go on yeah. later. So they're going to be all right. It's just a list so they can help themselves with carrying dudes at training camp. But it's interesting, though. Christian Watson. Yeah. Um, according to Rob Domofsky, Bakhtiari is not on the list. Okay, good. So I guess that... He says, I guess that's a positive for Bakhtiari. I still want to see what he looks like, but that is a positive. Tomovsky says, although veterans don't have to report until Tuesday, so there could be additions to this list later on, though. All right, well, we'll have to keep an eye on that because if Bakhtiari gets added to that, that's going to be breaking news. That's going to be interesting because at this point, it's been, what, a year and a half now? Yeah. Since, so hopefully he's good, but I, I don't know. Are you expecting anything, though? Because at this point, just the way they've been talking about him and everything, I, I assume that something's still going on. Yeah. That I mean, he's not going to be ready. It doesn't sound good when you read that report afterwards saying that every single time he'd go out there, he had to get tons and tons of fluid drained from that knee. And, look, I had an ACL surgery not that long ago. I'm trying to think. I tore it in 2019 and I had a surgery in 2020 and I'm totally fine. I haven't had many issues with it. Obviously I'm not playing at that level, but you know, I didn't never had that issue of that much swelling and stuff. And so many people have this ACL surgery nowadays that it almost seems like a routine procedure. And yet David Bakhtiari's had so many issues with it. Hopefully he's back. I don't know. It, it's interesting with him. But I do want to dive into some Brewers talk. We'll get into some Packers just in a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk some Packers coming up with Ryan Horvat in about a half an hour from BetMGM tonight. But I want to talk some Milwaukee Brewers. Which Brewers need to step up the most in the second half? Which Brewers need to step up the most in the second half? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. I've got a list of a couple of guys. i got five guys on my list. I'm interested to hear what you guys think because I think there's some pretty easy ones. I think the biggest one for me that needs to step up in the second half because we've seen it for so long with this guy. He's a really good baseball player. A really good baseball player. Wouldn't say you know anything of superstar caliber or anything like that, but he could be an all-star. Colton Wong has played so miserably this year, and it's been all over the field. It hasn't been the regular Colton Wong that you would expect. Hasn't been the Colton Wong you'd expect at the plate. Hasn't been the Colton Wong you'd expect in the field. And I think that's maybe the more concerning part. You know, Colton Wong, throughout his career, has been a gold glover. And he's been a perennial, solid leadoff guy. And you've seen it. It's not someone that you had never seen before because he played out in some... West Coast team that you rarely ever saw. You saw him all the time with the Cardinals, and you kind of knew what Colton Wong was. So when he came over to Milwaukee, you were excited because you knew what you were getting in Colton Wong, and he has not lived up to the billing this year. He has not been the Colton Wong you expect. So looking at his first-half numbers, 227 batting average, 313 on base, 382 slugging. You compare those to what he has done throughout his career, it is 33 points lower on the batting average. It's 19 points lower on his on-base and only 10 points lower on his slugging. So it just it hasn't been the same sort of season you'd expect at the plate. It just hasn't been. You know, he he came into this year expecting to be the leadoff guy for the Brewers. And yes, you move up Christian Yelich, so he'll probably get moved out of that spot anyways, but he hasn't earned much playing time this season. Not that many Brewers hitters have, if we're being honest. But he has not earned his spot in this order. You know, if you were to put anyone else in there, I wouldn't argue with it at this point from what we've seen from Colton Wong. It's not like he's an elite run producer. It's not like he's a power hitter. He's going to be someone that you need to be on base and scores the runs for you. That's kind of what he is. He's going to be a table setter for an offense, and he's going to give you gold glove level defense at second base. And he has done neither of those. And I think... You know, we talk about the offense all the time, but again, the more alarming part for me is his defense. So far this year, according to baseball reference with his defensive run saved metric, in 2021, so last season with the Brewers, his first, he had a number of six. In 2018 and 2019, the last two full seasons 
in St. Louis, he had a number of 13 and 17 of defensive runs saved. This season, a minus four. I mean, that is a huge turnaround. If you want to use the metric by StatCast that MLB uses, outs above average, he's at a minus nine, which among qualified people is tied for third worst in Major League Baseball. What happened to Colton Wong? Like You felt like, okay, even if he goes in a slump at the plate, if nothing else, I'm going to get solid play defensively. And yet, you have he's been one of the worst defenders in baseball this year. So I'm really, really expecting him to have a bounce back second half. And I'm really, really needing him to do that. You know, we talk about these guys all the time and who needs to step up or who's been underperforming. We can talk about Willie. We can talk about Urias. We can talk about anybody on this offense. And if we're being honest, the guy who has not lived up the expectations the most throughout his entire game has got to be Colton Wong. I don't think there's anyone that really comes close to the level of disappointment that they've had this season. You know, Willie, at least he's producing in terms of hitting home runs and driving runs in. You know, you look at Rowdy or Luis or any of these guys, and they're giving you something. And even if it's not as much as you'd like, they're giving you something, whether it's defense, base running, whatever. You're not getting anything compared to the expectations you expected out of Colton Wong. And I think that's been a big reason why this Brewers team has struggled at times, because you're a team that's built on pitching and run prevention, and one of the cogs of this is having elite defense and you haven't had that elite defense, and you're possibly best defender on this entire defense, the most elite, the guy who has the hardware to show that he's probably the best defender you have, has been one of the worst defenders in Major League Baseball this year. So the guy that I think really needs to step it up in the second half, no questions in my mind, and the guy that I think absolutely has been the biggest disappointment this season has been Colton Wong. No doubt in my mind. Would you agree with that, Sam? Anyone else that you're thinking, at least just at the top, there's other guys that need to step up, sure, and we're going to go through some of those guys. But in terms of biggest number one guy, this guy has been the biggest disappointment and needs to have the best second half for the Brewers to turn around. It's got to be Colton Wong in my mind. Yeah, Colton Wong's probably number one on the list just for all the reasons you mentioned because he is like coming into the season, like looking at this Brewers lineup right now, like all these guys, if they're – slumping a little bit well they're at least doing something right or one thing whether it be power or, you know getting on base and stuff like that but with Colton Wong like you said it's the defense it's the batting it's the lack of power it's everything for him yeah I'm excited to see if he can turn it around because if he can turn it around it'll help the pitching staff it'll help the hitting because look Christian Yelich has been solid in the leadoff spot and so you're probably just going to leave him up there but you can move Colton Wong around this thing. You want to put him in a run-producing position if he's starting to hit the baseball? Okay, you can do that. If you want to put him down towards the bottom so you have like a second leadoff guy ahead of Yelich and give him maybe some run-producing opportunities while he's still in the leadoff spot, you can do that as well. He'll give you a lot of flexibility there as well as helping you defensively, but he's got to really step it up in the second half. Today, the Brewers have Colton Wong batting sixth. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. I think in those sort of situations, like 6th, 7th, 8th, wherever you're going to have him, he, you get him in opportunities where he can drive in runs and he can possibly be a run scorer. Like I think that's where he should be with Christian Yelich kind of entrenched in that leadoff spot. But if he's going to continue to play like this, I mean, if you're if he's playing this bad, let's be honest, if his outs above average is this bad, what's it hurt to play Keston Hira more? Because Keston Hira is terrible defensively, but Colton Wong has been awful. Yeah, I would like to. I like. I've kind of been preaching this too all season long. I would like to put Colton Wong ideally in that eighth spot to give Christian Yelich some guys that second time through the order could get on base and have a guy to hopefully get on base to drive a couple runs in. If you could go Colton Wong, left handed batter, Luis Arias as your eighth batter or ninth batter, and then Christian Yelich once again back on top at the top of the order, that's a pretty good second time through the order. Yeah, I think that you can put some of these guys towards the bottom and give Yelich a chance to drive guys in because right. that's the one thing you lose with Yelich, him being up at the top. Not that he was very productive in the three-hole driving in guys, but if you put him in the leadoff spot and it's still his mentality of just getting on base and in turn 
he ends up driving some guys in, I think that's a good alternative. Or even Tyrone Taylor in your ninth spot. You go Colton Wong, Tyrone Taylor, Christian Yelich, mm-hmm. left, right, left. I mean, there's ways that you can use. It's not It's not really – it is a demotion for Colton Wong because he's clearly not been good enough this year to be the leadoff hitter. But he could thrive in a role, role like that where second time through the order, he essentially is a leadoff hitter for guys like Christian Yelich and Willie Adamas. Yeah, I would like that. I, I really would. Which guys for the Brewers need to step up the most in the second half? Sam and I both agree that number one guy on the top of that list is Colton Wong. Let's say you guys. We'll get into some more guys here in just a second uh, after we take a break here. But you want to hop in, 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AM. The fan, which Brewers need to step up? The Brewers want to win a World Series this season. Who's going to need to step up the most? We'll continue talking about that here on the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz here on 1250AM. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Fan. 12.50 a.m. The Fan. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. I am Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz. We are live from the Lakeland University studios talking with you guys about the Milwaukee Brewers kick off their second half Tonight against the Colorado Rockies, a four-game set. Weird little wraparound series. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Hopefully they can take three or four from the Rockies. Talking about talking with you guys about who you think needs to step up the most for the Brewers in the second half. Real quick, I want to remind you, charging a cell phone can be like getting a booster shot. A booster is given to enhance or restore protection after a primary series vaccination, which wanes over time. Schedule an appointment when you are eligible. So looking at the second half for the Brewers, who needs to step up? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan, our first guy at the top of the list that we think absolutely has to step up the most is Colton Wong. There's other guys that need to step up. Colton Wong is at the top of the list. Now looking at some of the other guys that we think need to step up, I think at third base, Luis Urias needs to play much better. When he first came off the injured list at the beginning of the season and his first couple weeks, he was playing exceptionally well. And he was someone that was giving you lots of production and you were happy about it. And one thing that frustrates me about Luis Arias, and I don't know why this has been the case for him, and I'm hoping at some point he can kind of get everything figured out. When he was coming up through the minors, he was projected to be a very good hitter with below-average defense. That's what he was supposed to be. Very good hitter, below-average defense. And we've seen the below-average defense portion of Luis Sirius multiple times. You've seen that plenty. But I don't know if we've seen the exceptional bat that he was supposed to have. We've seen good portions of where he can show you the glimpses of it. We've seen spots where it's like, wow, look how special this guy is. But I don't know if we've seen consistently enough the guy that was supposed to be a, I think, 70, 80-grade hit tool coming out of the Padres system. He hasn't lived up to that. This year, he's only batting 223, 314 on base, 384 slugging. 
This year, he's got 10 homers and 30 RBIs. 30 RBIs at this point in the season. Last year, he was the second leader on the team in homers and RBIs with 23 homers, 75 RBIs behind Avi Garcia. And I don't think there's any chance he gets to match either of those numbers, much less being second on the team. I mean, Willie and Rowdy have had pretty solid seasons, and it's going to be hard to catch those guys. But I don't think I see him getting back to being second on the team in either of those numbers. And last year, I wouldn't say he was anything incredibly special, but he was a he was a good run producer. Drove in 75, and that's what you wanted to see. And so you thought, all right, let's see him take a step forward this year. And when he first came off the injured list this season, you thought, all right, it looks like he is going to take that step forward. And this, he hasn't. This guy was your leadoff hitter for a couple moments this year, too. Yeah. He, he just hasn't been the guy that you really expect for, you know, Grisham hasn't maybe lived up to everything out there. And yes, you got Eric Lauer back in that deal, too. But Luis Arias was supposed to be a guy that you could depend on at one of the three infield positions, whether second, short, or third, to be the guy of the future. You were like, when you brought this guy in, you're like, all right, all right, this guy could be something for us for a long time. And I still think he's going to be a part of the Brewers for quite a while, but, I mean, is he entrenched at third base that if the Brewers were to bring in a prospect or something, if they were to trade one of their guys and he starts producing or if they sign a guy, it's not like Luis Arias is entrenched in this lineup as a part of the Brewers' future that if someone wanted Luis Arias or someone wanted to trade you someone that's maybe got a little more upside than Luis Arias, that he wouldn't be guaranteed a roster spot or a starting spot. Like That's the thing that's frustrating for Luis is you expected this guy to be a big part of the future, and you saw glimpses of it last year, and you've seen portions of it this season, but overall, there's nothing that makes what you have in Luis Urias a guarantee that he has to be a part of the future. And that's been frustrating. You expect a lot more out of him. And I think he can still reach that point. That's the thing that's so frustrating about a lot of these brewers is either you've seen it from them in the past or you've seen glimpses of it throughout their careers that make you think, yeah, they can get there at some point, but they just don't do it. Urias is especially frustrating because you saw it last year and you saw it when he came back from injury this year. He was pretty much getting on base every game coming back from injury, which mm-hmm. is why normally when you have an injury like that and you miss, like, what, the first month or so of the season, I give you a little slight, you know, I, I, I ease off a little bit on the criticism, but I can't when Luis Arias showed us that he can pretty much get on base every game coming back from injury. But now it's, it feels like that was, like, four months ago because now his last 30 games he's batting two twenty four a 393 slugging percentage and 303 on base percentage. There's nothing even close to what we were getting when Arias came back from the beginning of the season. And it's it's interesting because with all the years of control, you're right, they could bring another third baseman at the trade deadline. Um, and if they decide not to retain Colton Wong next year, they could move him back to his natural position that he played all throughout the minors and coming up in the um, all throughout baseball, they could move him back to second base if they wanted. So here's, here's a fun one for you, Sam. So with Luis Arias... All right, at May 23rd, 17 games into a season, they lost to the Padres that game. He had gotten his batting average up to 302 through 17 games of the season. Since then, in 46 games, his batting average is 193 with a 277 on base. Yikes. So basically, since he was showing that he was solid and hovering around 300. The last time he got that batting average above 300, since then, he's batted 193. And I understand he also had, on top of the hamstring injury coming into the season that caused him to miss the first month, he's also dealt with the thumb injury and I believe another leg issue this season. But his last seven games even, he's batting 208. So it's it's just nowhere near what you were hoping for with Luis Arias. Yeah, I mean, you could basically go through this entire Brewers offense if you really wanted and say all these guys need to step up. So... You know, we're picking out a couple that I think stand out to us, but you could honestly go through this entire offense. Frank says guys that need to step up the entire offense and Josh Hader. And, you know, I think Josh Hader is going to be fine when he comes back. I'm hoping so. I know Sparky was going through an article talking about some reasons why Hader's struggling, and 
I don't know exactly what's going on, but I would think that coming out of the All-Star break, some time off, some time for him to maybe look at some things and work on some things, I think he'll be fine. But, yeah, I mean, throughout this whole thing, this entire offense has struggled. Michael tweets in, says, the only correct answer is Yelich. So uh, show us a respectable slugging output. Show us some doubles and triples, at least, if you're going to lead off, earn some money. Gunslinger12 says, I think the real question is, if every single Brewer is playing up to their lifetime average, are they still good enough to beat a Dodgers or Mets in a best of seven? And here's what I want to come back with real quick on this. I heard Sparky talking about it, and I've heard you know, multiple callers or people tweeting in talking about, can the Brewers or ever match the Mets or the Dodgers? And let's be honest, the answer is no, they can't. They're never going to be better than the Mets or the Dodgers. But that's not the question here. I think they can win a best-of-seven series. I think they can win a best-of-five series against these teams, and the reason is your pitching. If the pitching lives up to it, there's a chance because you limit those guys to two and three runs a game, and you run into a few. Rowdy could hit a home run for you. Willie Adamas could hit a home run for you. You run into a couple of those in one game, and you, yes, it's going to require a lot of, you want to say luck, you want to say whatever you want to say. It's going to require everything going the Brewers' way for them to win any of those series. They're never going to be better than the Mets, and they're never going to be better than the Dodgers. But I think that they have what it takes to at least give them a chance. As long as they're in it, I think it gives them a chance. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to say that all of them were playing up to their career average, would they be better than the Mets or the Dodgers? The answer is no. They're never going to be better than those teams. But I think there is a real shot that if they got into it, limit the other team's run production. And look, I don't even care if they get outscored in the entire series. If you add up all the runs, that's fine. If one game, the Eric Lauer or Corbin Burns or whoever's on the mound that day for the Brewers gets shelled, okay, well, we lose one game. But you're telling me that in a five-game series, you can't see the possibility of the Brewers having three shutdown games with the pitching staff they have and possibly winning that thing with only two or three runs? Again, you look back at that Braves series last year, they could have won that if just a swing or two went a little bit differently, whether it's the Braves swings or the Brewers swings, because they were right there. It was a lot of low-scoring games. And that's what it's going to have to be again this year. So I know that I sound like the eternal optimist Brewers apologist, and I'm not trying to sound like that, I promise. But there's a confidence I have in this team because of the pitching staff that they have that if everything went correctly, then they could have a chance to win the World Series. I'm not saying the chance is better than like 2% or 1%. I'm not saying it's a good chance at all. I'm just saying that if everything goes the correct way, the Brewers pitching is elite and lives up to its hype. And it goes into a series and Corbin Burns goes out there and gives you seven strong, gives up one run in game one of a series. And you have Devin Williams and then you have Josh Hader lock it down at the end and they give up one, maybe two runs in the opener. You don't think there's a chance for them to win that game because they only gave up a run or two. And then you go into game two and Brandon Woodruff goes out there and gives you a solid outing. He gives up two runs. You don't think there's a chance for them to win that one? That's why I think they have a shot. That right there is why they have a shot. They need Freddie back. They need him to be a stud pitcher like he was last year. They need Josh Hader to be locked down like he was early in the season. I think he can get back to that. And then they need a few guys to really step up at the plate. And I think you have the players that have the potential to get clicking at the right time that maybe you could see three or four or five of those guys get going for a two-week stretch and lead you through the NLCS or NLDS to the NLCS, and then maybe you have another couple guys get hot at the right time and they go through the NLCS, and then hopefully you get the, enough guys going that you're able to get through a World Series. I know that sounds like, wow, that you're just really hoping. I am. I am really reaching for straws at this point because any team you're going to go up against is going to be better than the Brewers. There's no question about it. I'm not going to try and sit here and tell you that the Brewers are the best team in the National League. I'm not an idiot. I understand that the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves and maybe even the Cardinals are going to trot out a better lineup than you. I'm not stupid. I get that. I don't think you have to have a better lineup to win in the playoffs because guess what? I don't think the Braves were better than the Brewers last year. I don't think the Braves were better than the Dodgers last year. But they won the World Series. 
I don't think the Nationals were the best team when they won. I don't think you can look all throughout these things. The Rays weren't the best team in the American League, and they made it to the World Series because a Rosarina got hot. I mean, there's certain play, players on this team that you think have the potential that they go on a two, three-week, month stretch where you're like, wow, they just keep going and going and going. You've seen it from players that you wouldn't even expect. Tyrone Taylor's had portions of this season where he has two weeks where you're like, wow, Tyrone Taylor is hot, hot. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball during that time. That's Tyrone Taylor. You're telling me you couldn't have Willie Adamas get going? You're telling me you couldn't have Rowdy Telez get going? Hunter Renfro, one of these guys? That's why I'm going to have this consistent approach that I think the Brewers have enough. If they can get healthy, they get Freddie Peralta back, Brandon Woodruff gets back to himself, and these guys pitch up to their potential, and you have Eric Lauer as a fourth starter, why wouldn't you have a chance against these teams? We're not trying to say who's the best over 162, because over 162, yeah, you're right. The Brewers can't match the Yankees. The Brewers can't match the Dodgers or the Mets because they don't have the better lineup, and they probably, in, a, in some cases, don't have a better pitching staff. But when you go into it and you've got a shot because it's only a 2-1 to ball game and whoever scores the two runs is going to win, I'll give the Brewers a chance to win that game. That's why I'm going to sit here and continue to think that they have a shot. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. But it's not about being the better baseball team. It's about giving yourself a shot in October, and I think the Brewers have a shot. That's where I'm at with the Brewers. 414-799-1250. Who do you think needs to step up the most for the Brewers in the second half? We mentioned a couple hitters. We talked about Colton Wong. We talked about Luis Arias. I think there's some guys on the pitching staff that really need to step it up too. I think when you look at what they've gotten this year out of Adrian Hauser, he has not been nearly the guy that you expect, right? I mean, what you've seen out of Adrian Hauser throughout his career, all right? In 2021, he gave you a 3 3 ERA. He struggled in 2020 in the shortened season, 5.30 ERA. In 2019, he gave you a 3.72. This year, he's giving you a 4.72 ERA. Almost one and a half higher ERA than what he gave you last year. And you're going to need him to improve in the second half. You're going to need him to get back to the dude you saw last season. And part of the reason that he struggled, too, is he's a guy that relies on the ball being in play, and the defense has not been up to snuff. The defense has not been nearly as good. And one thing that I thought was interesting, so fielding independent pitching, FIP, is a stat that kind of takes into account different factors of how a pitcher's really been pitching in terms of exit velocity, all those different things, and home runs, giving up, all these different things, and it kind of tries to take out what a guy's been doing in terms of his ERA and what the impact a defense has on it. And I thought it was interesting that this year's fielding independent pitching, FIP, has actually been lower than last year. So it almost seems like Hauser got the defense he needed last year, and he hasn't gotten it this year. If you're a guy that's going to rely on sinker balls and the ball being in play and your defense isn't up to snuff, of course you're going to struggle. Of course it's not going to be as good as you'd expect. So Hauser needs to step it up, and then in turn, the defense really needs to step it up. Two more guys I really want to mention uh, before we get to Ryan Horvat here in about five minutes or so. Aaron Ashby, I think you need to see him pitch a little bit better. I know he's young, and so I'm not going to say that he's been a huge problem, but you'd like to see him be a little bit better. Only a 4.57 ERA. I think the alarming part for him is a 149 whip. I'd like to see him do a better job limiting those base runners as much as possible. And then the other guy that needs to step up in the second half big time Brent Suter has not been the Brent Suter that you've seen in years past. So 458 ERA for him this year. Last year a 307. The year before that a 313. The year before that an 049. So he's been good the last couple of seasons for you. He has not been great this year. So I'd like to see him step up in the second half. We'll continue talking about that coming up here in just a little bit. If you want to hop in, you can give us a call 414-799-1250. Or you can tweet us at 12.50 a.m. The Fan. But coming up next, Ryan Horvat from BetMGM tonight. He's going to join us. We'll talk with him about the Brewers and, of course, some Packers talk with Horvy coming up next here on the Fan Afternoon Show with Sam and Toby. 12.50 a.m. The Fan. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz here on the Fan Afternoon Show. Time to get out to the Great Midwest Bank hotline and welcome in our friend. It's been a while. From BetMGM tonight, Ryan Horvat. Horvy, what's going on, dude? 
Did you guys plan that theme music for me, or did that just happen to pop up in the system? We're playing Buck Cherry Wit now on the station? <laughs> just happened, dude. I didn't plan anything. Just happened. I don't even know any of the songs that are in the bumper, so I have no idea what's going on. Toby, Google the lyrics to that song. That song, that's your theme song right there. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Horvey, I wanted to start here by asking you, which dude hates DC more, Ryan Horvat or Juan Soto? Probably Ryan Horvat, because at least Juan Soto is making $17 million this year. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know his thoughts on, you know, Chicago or Midwest food. I don't know if he's ever had an Italian beef or, you know, uh, deep dish pizza. But, no, I'm kidding. I like – D.C. is just fine. I, the problem is I don't live in D.C. I live in Bethesda, Maryland. So, for example, right now, I'm still 27 minutes outside of work, and I got in my car like an hour and 30 minutes ago. I was literally like doing a meeting in my car uh, on a Zoom call because I had to sit in traffic for an hour. So it isn't really that I hate D.C. I just hate the commute, the traffic. There's always something going on, and uh, I think the restaurants suck. Yeah, I mean, you got to get some good seafood. You ever gone down to that wharf area in D.C.? really good food in dc there's great food in bethesda there's a couple really nice restaurants right by my house it's just it's just a lot different you know i don't have my pizzeria scotty i can't go to golden chicken back home i can't go to Samino's or maury's table the problem is you know i just spend so much time in two places wisconsin and illinois you know right on the border so i just have my favorite spots and it's just a whole the food here is just a lot different. There is really good seafood, especially, like you said, if you do go by the water. Um, there's a couple things, like, from back home. I go to Morton's Steakhouse. That's really good. So I shouldn't complain. It is it's very beautiful here, Toby. I know you miss it. Yeah, I really do. I definitely do. It was fun going out there and uh, getting to go back to Nats Park and everything. But I do like working out here in Milwaukee, so I can't complain. Uh, looking at Soto, what do you think the chances are he ends up with St. Louis? Or where do you see him ending up? Well, you know, if history has anything to do with it, it'll probably end up in St. Louis to torture me for the next 15 years because, like, the reason I would go all in on Juan Soto is just because, I mean, he won a World Series at, what, 21 years old? He's only 23 years old. So you're going to have to obviously, I mean, if you trade for him, you're going to want to lock him up. You're going to want to extend him. So you're going to have to give him the years. You're going to have to give him the money. But he's only 23 years old, man. He's not even in the prime of his career yet. So. Watch him end up in St. Louis with Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. And then watch them not even give you guys a good enough package because I still don't even remember what they gave up for either of those other two guys. And <laughs> both of them could win National League MVP. Like, Paul Goldschmidt today is, like, minus 115 to win the MVP. He's putting together a ridiculous season. But I think – see, this is why it's so hard, man, because the best package would probably come from the New York Mets. But do the Nationals really want to trade within their own division? Because then how do you like how do you sell that to your clubhouse and how do you sell that to the fan base? You know, that would be like that would be like the Cubs when they moved all those guys, like moving Anthony Rizzo to St. Louis. You just can't do that. So even though they could offer a great package, I don't know that Washington would do it. You know the Yankees are gonna have a great package, but what do they really have in the farm system? What are they willing to give up? And if they go all in for Juan Soto, does that mean they're going to pay Aaron Judge, who right now is the leading candidate to win American League MVP. I wouldn't be shocked if it was a team like the Dodgers, just because anytime anybody's available, Manny Machado, uh, pretty much anybody, man, um, they're always in the running. But the two dark horse teams, the three dark horse teams I'll throw out there, the Seattle Mariners plus 800. I mean, with J-Rod and that young roster, I think Juan Soto would be a perfect fit. And then the San Diego Padres have a bunch of prospects they could give up. I don't know if they want to give up a guy like C.J. Abrams. Probably not. But, I mean, for Juan Soto, I'd give him up. And you already have Tatis Jr. coming back. And you have Manny Machado. And then the San Francisco Giants. I know right now, you know, they're just fighting for a wild card. They also have some prospects that they could give up. So, I think, you know, it's probably one of those teams in the NFL. Who knows, man? I wish it was the Cubs, but I know how that works out. I wish it was the Brewers just for <laughs> yeah, the World Series ticket because when you're relying on Hunter Renfro as the number one bat, and, you know, I love Rowdy, and Christian Yelich obviously um, didn't have the bounce-back season that we all expected, at least not yet. I mean, we still got a second half of the season to go, man. But, you know, getting somebody like that would be huge. But I feel like it's going to be one of these big market teams. 
Well, and then looking at the Brewers, you mentioned that you got a ticket on them possibly to win the World Series. How are you feeling about that? And is there anything you like maybe looking at Burns at the Cy Young or anything Brewers-related that you're looking at going forward? So nothing with Burns, man. Not this year, just because he had – I mean, he's still having a terrific season. I'm going to probably take his strikeouts tonight over 7.5 because I can't bet the Brewers because they're minus 250 with them on the mound. I just – Sandy Alcantara, every time he takes the ball, he's going to go seven, eight innings. He's like a throwback pitcher where he's thrown a couple complete games this year. Even if he gives up a couple runs, man, he always wants to close that thing out. Problem is they never give him any run support. The Marlins, I don't think the Marlins have scored like in the last month, man. Um, but Alcantara is just so damn good that I don't even know if it's anything, if there's anything there worth betting. For the Brewers, I, I'm not like in freakout mode yet, just because second half of the season, I don't know if I trust the Cardinals pitching. Like Wainwright has been great; he's got an ERA sitting there right at three, but he's like 55 years old, man. And then I don't know if I trust the bullpen. I still, when the Brewers are right with that rotation, when you got Burns, when you got Peralta, when you have Woodruff, and then you have, you know, Devin Williams, and you have Josh Hader. I know he hasn't been very good the last, you know, couple of couple appearances, and everybody's starting to freak out. I still. I mean, man, as long as they, as long as they can score some runs, I think they'll be just fine. So I'm not in freakout mode just because that division is so bad. But um, I do think they need to try to acquire at least one or, I mean, two bats would be great. But they definitely have to add a bat at the deadline. I just don't know who's going to be available. Like, look at some of these names. You know, Wilson Contreras is going to be available. Maybe a guy like Josh Bell will be available. But. Yeah, I don't know. Now that Juan Soto's available, now that he's you know up for grabs, I kind of forgot about everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's anything incredibly special out there that's going to make the world a difference. I think it's kind of either the Brewers are going to win it with this roster or they're not. Well, let's dive into what is the most exciting thing that's beginning next week is Packers training camp. Talking with Ryan Horvat yeah. from BetMGM tonight here on the Fan Afternoon Show. What are you most excited about for this Packers season? Is there a rookie maybe that's standing out to you? Are you looking at Christian Watson and thinking he can be someone that's going to make a big difference right away? Are you maybe looking at Quay Walker, Defensive Rookie of the Year odds? What are you looking at with the Packers this year? Yeah, definitely excited for Quay. I'm actually excited for both guys from Georgia on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm really actually just excited for that defense because this is the first time I've ever – well, it's the first time in a long time, over a decade, that I've went into a training camp, into a season where I'm actually excited for the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's always question marks, uh, you know, whether it's Ladarius Gunter trying to cover Julio Jones in an NFC championship game. Like, that won't be an issue this year because now they're almost too stacked. Well, I shouldn't say that. They could use a little bit. They need a little bit more depth in the secondary. But, man, I love the starters. You love Jair Alexander. He's the number two rated corner in Madden, which finally gets some respect. I know Madden ratings don't matter, but I just thought that was kind of cool that everybody's finally paying attention because you see these dummies like, you know, Chris Sims, they do their top ten list. And it's like, okay, where the hell is the best corner in the league? I still – I like Jair better than I like Ramsey. To 100%. Be um, and then – you know, I think Savage is going to have a great year. I think Adrian Amos, if he stays healthy, he's always reliable. And then you love Rasul Douglas. Eric Stokes is who I'm really excited for. Look what he did as a rookie, man. He became the number one corner. And now this year, they can move him around a little bit. So I'm really excited for the defensive side of the ball. And then I'm just really excited to see what they do offensively because now, you know, Matt LaFleur is going to have to get creative. The last three years when they've been without Devontae Adams, I know they haven't lost the game, and it's because they get creative with the offense. It's not just Rodgers targeting Devontae 17 to 18 times. Don't get me wrong, I'm really going to miss Devontae. I'm a little worried because I don't know if Rodgers is just going to trust somebody like Christian Watson right off the bat. But it's going to be interesting to see who takes over that number one spot because Alan Lazard, those final five weeks of the season, was so damn good in the regular season. You know, Kyle... He's another year older. I don't know what to expect from him. Sammy Watkins, if he can stay healthy, I don't know what to expect from him. I'm just excited for the run game. You know, I keep looking at these top 10 running back lists. Nobody's talking about A.J. Dillon. Everybody's talking about Aaron Jones. I think they're going to use him more as a receiving back this year. And I think A.J. Dillon's going to score double-digit touchdowns. I can't wait to watch him, especially when it gets cold out. So, Long story, I mean, I guess to give you a long answer, really excited for the defense and then just excited to see what the floor is going to do without Devontae Adams. I mean, I know everybody's like, hey, he's just a wide receiver. People say the same thing in Kansas City. Mahomes will be fine. Tyree kills just one wide receiver. Mahomes is still the best quarterback. But 
I think we forget, like, how good a guy like Tyreek Hill, how good a guy like Devontae Adams really is. So it's going to be interesting, and I won't be surprised if they struggle a little bit offensively the first couple weeks. But I think they'll be just fine. My hope is that there's going to be, like, a uh, disgruntled, pissed-off, diva wide receiver come, like, week five, week six, like there usually is that wants to get moved. Maybe his dad will go on social media. Maybe a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. will be healthy come week seven, week eight. Maybe Julio Jones. Like, where's Julio Jones right now? Is he just not going to play this year? So, I guess I'm excited for the unknown on offense. And then looking at offense, your guy Aaron Rodgers, is there any chance he's going for another MVP this year? I don't think so, only because I think they finally are going to be that running football team that we thought that they were going to transition to. Because we all figured this was Jordan Love's year, or maybe next year would be Jordan Love's year if Rodgers did without the full four years of his contract. So they were supposed to transition to this running team, right? That's why they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round, even though they had Jamal Williams, after paying and committing to Aaron Jones for a couple more years. Um, I mean, man, especially if Bakhtiari, the, the big question mark, man, is what's the offensive line going to look like? Is Elton Jenkins, is David Bakhtiari, are they going to be ready right away and healthy? Is Robert Tunyon going to be healthy and ready to go right away? Because – I don't want to play Rodgers just because a guy like Justin Herbert is going to throw the football 50 times per game. If the Packers offense is what LaFleur wants, Rodgers is probably only dropping back 28 to 30 times a game. You know what I mean? So I'm going to stay away from the MVP bet this year. I still am going over the 10.5, 9.5, whatever book you're looking at wins for the Packers. Um, but, man, i got to be honest. The Vikings, I talk about this with Bart all the time, the Vikings scare the hell out of me. This is going to sound crazy. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a monster year. I don't disagree. I think that people are sleeping on that team because Kirk was good last year. Everyone just laughs when yeah. you mention Kirk Cousins, but Kirk was good last year. He was really good. And, dude, like, and Mike Zimmer hated him. It's come out now. Mike Zimmer hated yeah. him. And Mike Zimmer was a very overrated, terrible coach. He was this defensive-minded head coach, yet they were terrible last year defensively. They're a, that team should be scoring 35 points per game. When Delvin Cook's healthy and not suspended – Justin Jefferson is a top five receiver, top three receiver in this league. Adam Thielen's going to be healthy. They scare me a little bit. And then you're going to have a motivated Zedarius Smith on the defensive side of the ball looking to get after Rodgers those two meetings, especially week one. They scare me a little bit. The, hell, the Lions scare me a little bit, man. Yeah. Um, I, 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 like, I like Dan Campbell. If they had any other quarterback other than Jared Goff who could throw the ball 20 yards down the field, they'd scare me a little bit more. But I think Jamal Williams is going to have a really big year. I think that I think they're going to be tough, man. They're going to be like an 8-9 win team. I could see that maybe a year away from being a year away. And then uh, one thing I could guarantee, the Bears are going to be an absolute dumpster fire once again. Yeah, what's their win total? Because I'm taking the under no matter what. Uh, I think it's either 5.5 or 6.5. It's actually, so here's the thing, man. It's the most, it's the number one or number two right now bet total. Everybody is going under. Um, which I could see them winning like seven games. Yeah. It's a schedule. They do play a they do play a soft schedule, but they're definitely finishing dead last in the NFC North. I guarantee that. One last one for you, Horvy. Any futures for the NFL you're looking for as training camp gets underway? Oh yeah, I got some futures for you. So the Ravens are going to win the division. Oh yes. Uh, I would oh, pick. I mean, we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, but we're all going to guess that he's going to be suspended, right? I love Josh Rosen. I had the worst take of all time when I was still doing college radio and that draft came about, and I said he's going to be the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, clearly I was wrong. But if he's starting actual games for the Cleveland Browns, even with that run game and a healthy Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, we're screwed, man. Um, I like Baltimore. Lamar's on a prove-it year. People are saying he's not a top-10 quarterback. I think he's going to have a monster year. Hopefully they don't lose three running backs in training camp that all tear their ACL on day one and Marcus Peters is back fully healthy. But I like the Ravens to win the division, and you're still getting better than two to one odds. I played that. Another couple teams, like I like Jacksonville this year to go over their win total. Trevor Lawrence looked really good week 18 against a good Colts defense that needed to win that game to get into the playoffs. He beat them. So I kind of like the Jags this year now that Urban Meyer is gone and Trevor Lawrence is going to have a full year under his belt. And then a couple college football ones I want to throw at you really quick. Georgia Tech, I gave this out a couple weeks ago. The win total is four. It's three and a half right now. Still go under. That is the worst schedule in college football. They are gonna, they're going to win two games this year, maybe top. And then it's really chalky, but I think Ohio State is going to win the national championship this year. That's, 
only like, you know, two to one odds right now. I just play them to go over 10 and a half wins. They're not losing. Maybe they, maybe they get beat by, maybe they get upset by Michigan again. It's not happening, but maybe. Who else is beating them on that schedule? So I love Ohio State over 10 and a half wins. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be so good again. You get C.J. Stroud another year, and Jigba, Smith and Jigba oh, yeah. still there. I mean, come on. It, the Buckeyes are just going to be rolling again. I, the funniest thing I saw, I'll let you go after this, Horvat. Funniest thing I see is some of these accounts that you see on Twitter, I cannot stand some of the stuff they put out and like the quotes that they put out. One's like, the dude to watch out for next year is Bryce Young at Alabama. It's like, well, no, duh, he won the Heisman last year. I, I, yeah, he's going to be, if he's not the number one pick of the draft, dude, he's going to be number two because C.J. Stroud's going to go number one. But the thing about Ohio State this year, man, they get to beat up on, well, they get to beat up on, like, all the Midwest kids. Look at that recruiting class. Mm-hmm. They have the best quarterback in the nation or the number two quarterback in the nation. They have, even after losing a guy like Chris Olave, like you just brought up Jackson Smith, he could win a Heisman as a wide receiver this year. And last year they were just really young on the defensive side of the ball. All their linebackers were freshmen. Now they're a year older. They're going to have some solid pass rushers. They're going to be really good. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for college football this year, man, because last year, let's be honest, the quarterback play – I mean, the draft class was terrible. Yeah. Kenny Pickett was the only guy to go in the first round. Look at this class. You got, uh, I like the kid a lot. I like Van Dyke out of Miami, and he's like big, he's strong, he's six foot five. They, I actually played their win total over for the first time in a decade. I think they win at least nine games. Their win total is really soft at only eight and a half in the ACC. I like him a lot. I like Stroud. I like Bryce Young. It's going to be a solid season, man. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Horvy, it's good to hear from you again. Have, so, have a safe drive into work. Thanks, man. I'm only five minutes out. Talk to you soon. You heard from Ryan Horvat from BetMGM tonight. Make sure you check that out tonight on the Odyssey app. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. We'll d- get into some draft mockery and pickle lane next here on the Fan Afternoon Show with Sam and Toby. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.